Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times here in Bloomington, along with co-host Joe Wren today of WFIU and WTIU. And this week on the show, we're going to be talking about the upcoming Indiana Supreme Court case about public records law that involves uh, the University of Notre Dame and ESPN. The the, the, uh, television channel ESPN sued the University of Notre Dame last year over whether private university police departments must comply with Indiana's uh, public records laws. And that's what we're going to talk about today with two guests. Jerry Lanazga is the assistant professor, as an assistant professor at Indiana University's media school, and the president of the Indiana Coalition for Open Government. And Jeff Parrott is a reporter at the South Bend Tribune, and he's been covering this case. You can uh, join the discussion here by calling 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348, or you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So thank you both for joining us by phone, and Joe, it's always nice to see you here. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Well, I want to start with Jeff Parrott, uh, who's been covering this case for the South Bend Tribune. So, Jeff, can you sort of give us a, you know an, an overview in a minute or a minute and a half? Sure, yeah. So uh, back in, in January uh, of, of 2015, uh, ESPN and the reporter Paula Levine sued uh, the University of Notre Dame uh, over the university's refusal to turn over uh, any records that the campus police department had uh, regarding student-athletes. Uh, ESPN was wanting those records uh, for their show uh, Outside the Lines, which was taking a look at uh, campus discipline uh, with with athletes from a, a bunch of big football schools, uh, not just Notre Dame. Uh, and so uh, that case ended up going to uh, court here in St. Joseph County, and uh, the Superior Court Judge uh, Stephen Hostetler uh, ruled uh, for Notre Dame uh, in April uh, of, of 15. Uh, so uh, the university then appealed to uh, the Indiana Court of Appeals, and in March of, of, of 16, uh, the Indiana Court of Appeals uh, reversed uh, Judge Hostetler's ruling and ruled for ESPN. And so just recently, uh, the most recent thing was uh, a week ago, um, the uh, case was transferred uh, at, the, at the request of uh, Notre Dame, was transferred to the Indiana Supreme Court. So that's where it stands now. But essentially, the arguments uh, from, by Notre Dame were that uh, they're, not, they're not a public entity. They're not a public agency. They're a private university. And so therefore, their uh, campus police department's records uh, are not disclosable under Indiana's open records laws, the same as they would be for any other uh, public police agency. Okay. So just to, just to recap, so the, the lower court, the, the, the first court, um, ruled in favor of Notre Dame, and then the um, appeals court ruled in favor of ESPN. Correct. Okay, got you. So, so Jerry, what's uh, you know how how do you feel about this case as the president of the Indiana Coalition for Open Government? Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate sure. uh, the opportunity to talk about this. Um, um, speaking for myself and for ICOG, um, which is a, a citizen media academic coalition of people who are interested in access to public information, um, I can say that the appeals court ruling was uh, very encouraging. Um, and I'm 
um, pretty optimistic and hopeful that the Supreme Court's going to rule the same way um, based on um, my reading of the law and, and what uh, what some attorneys have said in, in looking at the access statute and some of the other statutes that apply here. It's pretty clear that um, these private university police departments are exercising a fundamental uh, government function when they um, make arrests, when they incarcerate people, when they stop people, uh, even on campus. They're, they're empowered to do so by state statute. And so uh, given that uh, ability to do that and the empowerment by the state law, it puts them in a category of being a public agency. And uh, I think that's pretty clear. The appellate court ruling was um, very uh, well argued, I think, in terms of uh, laying that out. And so I'm, I'm optimistic about that. I think it, it'll be an important advance for uh, um, both the public and for journalists who want to know what police uh, departments are doing around the state, including those that operate on private campuses. So it, it, it's pretty obvious, of course, the four of us are in some way associated with the media. Um, what, w let's maybe give us a little bit of a background on Notre Dame and what their uh, side of the story is. And maybe, Jeff, in your reporting, if you want to take that and then... Uh, Jerry, if you want to chime in too. Sure. Sure. Well, I, I know from the from the uh, the, the cases, uh, the hearings that, that I attended here in St. Joseph County, and also at the Indiana Court of Appeals, the or, the oral arguments. Uh, Notre Dame sort of was taking the position that uh, this is a slippery slope, and yes, we do perform a, a public uh, function in our and the, the fact that we can arrest people, uh, create p police records, incarcerate people, but we have a whole slew of records in the university that are private under federal law. And if we open up our police records, what's, what's to stop that slippery slope from, from going into all these other uh, types of records kept by the university that are private under federal law. So I know that was a big a big argument that they were trying to make. Uh, but of course, ESPN's attorneys were saying, no, you know, that's that's nonsense. There's no reason that you can't you know, sort of place a wall between uh, the records that the police department uh, accumulates in its day-to-day -day work uh, and uh, separate that from the you know the sort of academic records and and the and the, the other records that the university that a private university keeps that that are in fact uh, uh, private records. Yeah, and as, as Joe said, we're all kind of connected to to the media, and so you know my my I guess I, you know I actually do have a position on this because and I, I want to ask I, I guess both of you. You know, it seems to me that, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that a police agency draws its authority from something other than, you know, the private University of Notre Dame. I mean, I would assume the police officers there have to pass some sort of state or, you know, federal background checks. They have to pass training. Um, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. The, um, the power uh, of... Uh, <clears throat> private university police departments is very expressly addressed in state statute that uh, that applies to uh, higher education institutions that are accredited by North Central Association, and that includes Notre Dame. And uh, that statute is the one that grants um, 
the agency the power that it has, the police power. And so then in other portions of the law, the access law uh, refers to uh, public agencies as any um, entity, and it's very broad, any entity that exercises uh, any portion of state power so that um, clearly um, you know, draws Notre Dame and other private universities into that circle. And um, I'm not a... <clears throat> I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with our access statute, the Access to Public <laughs> Records Act. It's not perfect by any means, um, and we can talk about some of those reasons. But um, on this particular issue, it, I think it's, it's, uh, it works well. It's broad enough to um, encompass uh, entities like these private universities or other private entities that exercise any sort of public power or public responsibilities, public functions, but also um, it is specific enough to, um, as Jeff said, sort of wall off things that um, maybe shouldn't be encompassed under under public disclosure. And so there are all these federal statutes. Uh, FERPA is one that the um, university might mention, the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act that protects student educational records. Well, those records are already protected by uh, federal statute, and the Indiana Access Law uh, specifically recognizes that those uh, it cannot trump, uh, in fact, um, federal law. So that concern raised by the university is really a canard. Um, so in this case, I think the access statute works well. It works the way it's supposed to work. And um, if the Supreme Court um, upholds the appellate decision, I think um, that'll be the right call. So we're talking about uh, access issues today, but specifically we're talking about case in which ESPN has sued the University of Notre Dame over um, wanting police records about student-athletes. If you want to join our conversation, give us a call at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington. Or if you're outside of the Bloomington area, 1-877-285-9348. You can be listening online from South Bend or anyplace else. You can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So the, uh, the case... This case is, you know, involves a, a private university, but, you know, Jerry, I wanted to, to go back to you a little bit. It, it seems like often the um, universities get into these public access issues, and a lot of it, you know, may have to do with FERPA, and whether it's a private or a public university. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the the challenges sometimes of, of um, you know, balancing students' rights to privacy and uh, the public's right to know. Sure. Yeah, FERPA is um, a federal statute that is uh, that governs um, uh, higher education. Well, it, it governs all educational institutions, in fact, and uh, uh, specifically with regard to higher education. There are um, uh, federal uh, rules and, and laws that uh, apply to federal pl- or to um, university police. So there's a uh, a statute called the Clery Act, which requires that universities release certain um, information about their police activities. That applies to both um, public universities and to private um, universities and colleges. Um, the Clery Act is relatively limited. It does not call for as much disclosure as the Indiana um, Access Statute. So um, the argument that ESPN makes, and I, that I agree with, is that um, the 
the universities here in Indiana are, um, in fact, should be subject to the um, more restrictive or the, I guess, more uh, broadly worded um, Indiana Access Act and require more disclosure about specific police activities. But none of that really gets into this issue that is dealt with by FERPA, the the Educational Rights and Privacy Act, which deals with student records. So, for instance, um, a student's um, uh, grades, a student's disciplinary records, those things are private um, under federal statute, and and there's good reason for that and good arguments to be made for that. So none of this um, would um, really abrogate any of that. Um, The universities do tend to read FERPA very broadly, and access advocates and media representatives tend to want to read them um, rather narrowly, and that's where the conflict comes in. So there are two fundamental rights that sort of bump up against each other. One is the right of the public to know what's going on uh, with public agencies, and and, uh, definitely public universities are public agencies. But then there's uh, the right of the student and the student's family to have privacy about uh, what they're doing. So there's a line there that that can be drawn. and uh, sometimes it, it requires the courts to sort it out a little bit, and that's mm-hmm. what's happening here. Jeff, in your role as a reporter at the South Bend Tribune, you, you're covering Notre Dame and, and probably other higher education institutions, I would would assume. I mean, do you, do you run into differences when you're covering different universities? Uh, you know, I can't really say uh, that I can speak on that much. Um, you know, here here uh, in our coverage, uh, we tend to you know Notre Dame is really the only uh, local university that has its own police force mm-hmm. that is able to uh, arrest people and and create uh, criminal records for people and incarcerate people uh, and their charges. You know that they, they can forward cases to our county prosecutor. Uh, for, for prosecution, uh, so we have other colleges in the area, but they all have just sort of um, security uh, gotcha. departments, I guess. So they're, they're really, Notre Dame's really the only uh, university in our coverage area that, that this uh, issue applies to. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, here in Bloomington, of course, we have the IU Police Department, and we, uh, you know, we work with them as well as Bloomington Police and State Police and everybody else. And sometimes there are a few differences, although we haven't had too many problems or too many issues to deal with. So we have a phone call. Let's go to the phones. We have Michael from Bloomington. Michael? Hello. Do we have Michael on the phone? There he is. Hi, Michael. Hi there. Uh, I just wanted to make two points that I thought I'm a little bit familiar with the case. Mm-hmm. wanted to make two points that I don't think had come across clearly. First one is um, I didn't hear any recognition that when the Indiana Supreme Court granted transfer in the case, and I think that was last week, by doing that, they vacated the Court of Appeals decision under Indiana law. And it's not a question now of whether or not they affirm the Court of Appeals or not. They have stepped into the – they have canceled the Court of Appeals decision – they now step into the shoes of the Court of Appeals, and they are now hearing the appeal from the trial court. So we're back to the trial court decision. That's the way granting transfer works in Indiana. Okay, thanks very, very is, much for that clarification. Yeah, thanks. Okay, the second mm-hmm. thing is, from what I know of the case, I don't think the characterization of Notre Dame's argument and the argument of the 
uh, Independent Colleges of Indiana, which is uh, a MECA filed MECA's uh, brief in the case, is completely accurate. The slippery slope argument may be part of it, but it's primarily an issue of statutory construction, and it's a close reading of the existing Indiana statutes, what was said, what was not said, the way that this statute has been interpreted by the Public Access Office in the past, and what the legislature has done or not done in response to those interpretations. And it's a doctrine called uh, acquiescence, legislative acquiescence, which has long history in Indiana. So it's a question of, of, of really that statute. One other point I'd like to make, the, the media and the colleges worked very hard last legislative session on a bill that would have really cleared this up and compromised it and would have liberalized in some ways uh, the current public records law, but also allowed some protections to meet the concerns of the private colleges. That bill, if I'm correct, passed, I think, unanimously in the House and unanimously in the Senate with one dissenting vote or the other way around. Ultimately, the bill was vetoed by the governor. Uh, there was very strong lobbying by the media, but not exactly clear why that happened. But, of course, the governor had the right to do that. But it's worth noting that every Indiana legislator but one agreed on a compromise. And one of the points that Notre Dame has made uh, in its filings was that that came at the very end of the session. We ought to give the legislature another chance to address this, given that they have shown, uh, particularly, you know, in the, these these days, the fact that they worked out a bipartisan compromise is pretty extraordinary. We ought to give them another chance to do it, rather than the courts replacing what had been a long-standing understanding of the statute. So. That's all I wanted to say, but, but thank you for having this discussion. Well, let me let me ask you a question, though, if you could go back, because I'd like a little clarification from you on um, legislative acquiescence. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not a lawyer, so I, I, need, I need some help with that. Sure. Well, the idea is, um, you know, I'm not going to cite it chapter and verse, but okay. the idea is if there has been... Um, an interpretation of an existing statute of regulation, or regulation, and in particular, if administrative bodies of the state, as in the the, 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 the uh, records council or the office of public records, had interpreted in a particular way in the past, and the legislature had multiple opportunities to change that understanding, contradict that understanding by amending the statute, and they didn't do so, that that has some meaning, but that reflects, in a sense, the fact that the legislature uh, was, and, and the, you know, the kind of law-creating process in Indiana, was content with that prior interpretation. Now, I, I'm not saying that's the only argument on this, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying that and the, and the wording of the statute itself were really the, 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 the immediate arguments, or some of the immediate arguments put forward. Now, there are obviously concerns behind that about um, uh, keeping students, you know, protecting expectations. I mean, one of the other reasons to fix this legislatively is that that would be a prospective fix, and it would be everyone would understand going forward, every student and family who comes to a private college would understand that the rules have changed about how their records are going to be protected. To do it now uh, judicially 
is to and have it apply retroactively isn't really fair to uh, all of the families and students who came to enroll that maybe by now have left private colleges and universities like Notre Dame and had an understanding based on the official rulings by the Indiana administrative bodies as to how those records would be treated. Okay, one more quick question before we let you go, and, and maybe our panelists may know the answer to this too, but you've cited you know, previous public access counselors, I believe, if I heard you correctly. Um, did Luke Britt weigh in on this, and was his position the same as previous public access counselor recommendations? Right. I, no, and, no. Can I, can I jump right, in here? Sure. I've got a couple yeah. things I, I want to say about what the callers is, is raising here. Okay, sure. Uh, just to answer your immediate question there, uh, no. Uh, Luke Britt dissented from the previous PACs, the previous public access counselors. Uh, and as far as, as the uh, legislative acquiescence, yes, that was a, a, an argument that Notre Dame made, but the, the Indiana Court of Appeals rejected that argument uh, in their ruling. And, and finally, uh, this bill, this House bill uh, that the caller talks about, uh, House Bill 1022, uh, yes, it, it was sort of uh, pitched as a, as, as, as a sort of compromise in the legislature, and it did pass. Uh, the House 93 to 0, and the Senate uh, 49 to 1. Uh, there was a one legislature, uh, legislator that voted against it, uh, Senator Liz Brown, a Republican from Fort Wayne, who happens to be a, a Notre Dame graduate. Uh, but that bill was very narrowly written. Uh, it didn't open up campus police records uh, to public access. Uh, in whole, it only refer it only opened up uh, records that related to arrests and incarcerations. Uh, so that leaves out a, just a, a huge amount of records. Uh, for example, uh, at Notre Dame over the past two years, uh, but there were 126 arrests made, uh, or about 60 per year. Uh, but that's a small fraction of, of all the incidents that are handled by Notre Dame police. Uh, last year alone, there were 13, nearly 1,300 cases that were listed on the university uh, police crime log. So uh, I just wanted to, to make that clear. And if you're wondering, like, well, what do you need to know about incidents that aren't, uh, you know, arrest or incarceration related? Uh, in recent years at Notre Dame, uh, there's just a few cases I could cite. Uh, there was a student who died uh, when the scissor lift that he was on when he was filming a football practice fell to the ground. Uh, another case, uh, there was a man on a crew who was cutting down trees on campus, and he was killed by a, a falling tree. And in another case, uh, a man was uh, critically injured when he fell down a stairwell uh, in the university's main building on a, on a football Saturday. So in all those cases, the Notre Dame security police investigated, but none of the uh, records related to those cases ever made the, the campus police log. So there were no police reports released, and there were just very limited details made available to the public. All right. Well, I'm going I'm I'm to ring off now, but thanks very okay. much for uh, for having this discussion. Uh, okay, Michael. Thanks a lot for for your call and adding a, a little sure. bit of balance. I think because we all <laughs> acknowledge that we're all media people here. Uh, we're going to take a short break now. You're listening to Noon Edition. We're talking about public access uh, laws, particularly in the case of ESPN suing the University of Notre Dame. We'll be right back.
This is New in Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Joe Wren from WFIU and WTIU. And today we're talking about um, basically the, the particular lawsuit in which ESPN has sued the University of Notre Dame over uh, whether private university police departments must comply with Indiana's public access laws, um, with, in, in particular with um, records about student-athletes. Uh, we're talking with Jeff Parrott, who's a reporter at the South Bend Tribune who's been covering this case, which is soon to go to the Supreme Court, and Jerry Lenazka, who is the assist- an assistant professor at the Indiana University Media School and the president of the Indiana Coalition for Open Government. If you have questions or comments, please give us a call at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can follow us on Twitter. wanted to follow up. Um, that, was, that was a really good look at some of the arguments in the case. I, I wanted to follow up to what um, Jeff was ta- talking about. Um, you know, I mentioned the public as- access counselor, and so did you know, so did our previous caller, Michael. Um, this is a, a position in, in Indiana government that was actually set up over, over, uh, under Governor Frank O'Bannon that doesn't have, you know, the, doesn't have the power of law, but it has uh, some advisory capability. And, and just, just to be clear, I, I believe, and, and um, Jeff, I think you were saying this as well, public access counselors According to the current public access counselor, he doesn't have to pay attention to what previous public access counselors have said. Every case that comes to him is sort of a new case and up to the new access counselor. Right, Jeff? No, oh, yeah, Jerry? that's totally correct. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just an advice. It's just his opinion. You know, they're, they're just... They're just attorneys who are interpreting the law as they see it, so they aren't mm-hmm. bound by prior uh, public access counselor decisions at all. Okay. So I, <clears throat> I read this somewhere. I jotted it down and saying that the rule, this ruling, the, mo- the most recent ruling, consistent in several states that private entity exercising a public function then is considered public. So if, if that is, is that the argument? Is that really what's being debated right now? Yeah, I think that's a fair uh, representation of the, the situation. And um, I'd like to step back. I'm, one, I'd like to acknowledge the, the caller, Michael, uh, makes a very good point about the, the process of Supreme Court transfer, and that it is actually um, – uh, addressing the trial court ruling, so I appreciate that clarification there. I wanted to step back a little bit on this um, 
uh, and get to the philosophical heart of the the issue, which I think gets to your question, um, Joe. And um, that you know, just to talk about the the purposes of public access here, and we're uh, you know on a on a news day after the tragedy in Dallas, um, all the news about. Uh, the the debates and protests against police action. I think it's important at the outset to acknowledge that, and 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 I want to make the point that um, this doesn't necessarily have to involve uh, sort of an adversarial stance toward police. Uh, rather, it's a stance of encouraging accountability. And these private departments are exercising uh, one of the most fundamental um, public powers that government can exercise. And so I think it's important then to have a similar level of accountability for those private departments as as the public ones do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good mm-hmm. point to make. I, you know, a lot of times this is seen as well. Of course, in a lawsuit, it does seem like it's adversarial because somebody is suing to get something somebody doesn't want to give up or or whatever. But you know, I think. Um, the media and you know people out there may want to call and disagree with this, but the media in general is trying to just open up information and provide information to um, the public that that we believe that the public has a right to have and deserves to know, and that will help them live their lives better. And and you know it's a really broad, you know it's a broad issue. It goes way beyond the ESPN suing the University of Notre Dame over this particular case. And uh, you know you brought up what happened in Dallas. Um, last night, and you know, you can go back to what happened in Baton Rouge and what happened in St. Paul, and you know, the media is even changing now in terms of what's available to people. I mean, this is getting a little far afield from our topic today, but um, you know, and and Jerry, I guess I'd I'd really like for you to comment on this. I mean, the 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 fact that we have now, you know, social media out there that can bring you instant news and instant information, and how this is changing maybe relationships between the public and law enforcement. Yeah, I think people have the ability to uh, uh, do their own sort of watchdogging of police now, whereas it used to be, um, you know, reporters with notebooks and cameras. Um, Now there is uh, much more technological capability for people to do this on their own and even to to live stream uh, the the acts that they're witnessing. So I think that's a really... important. It has its downside, of course, but it's really important for people to be, be able to peer inside the acts of, of government officials. And police power is the most uh, intrusive form of, uh, of government power. If you get down to it, it can be. And so it's really important to have that accountability. And one thing that hasn't really been discussed uh, at all, um, I think I brought it up in a blog post, but that is a really interesting dimension of this, is the fact that if the private university police departments are declared public agencies, it, it won't affect just um, the information that pertains to uh, police actions um, uh, with regard to citizen contacts. So a public agency is required to release a whole host of information um, that includes administrative information, employee discipline information. And, and I think that may be one reason why uh, Notre Dame and the other universities are really keen to sort of fight this lawsuit. If they're declared to be a public agency, Notre Dame's police department and the other private university police departments will have to release any other types of information that regular police departments do. So uh, discipline of their police officers, um, their budgets, um, you know, 
policy decisions that are make, made within the administrative side of things. And that opens up a pretty broad swath of records that, I, frankly, ought to be open to the public. And I think that's one reason why the universities are so concerned about it, but I think it's one reason why the public ought to be uh, really interested in this case, because we'll be able to um, you know, track and watchdog incidents where, uh, where there may be allegations of police misconduct, for instance, even within those private settings. So, Jeff, uh, has that been part of the uh, discussion? Yes, for sure, yeah. Uh, and like I said earlier, the uh, ESPN is arguing that uh, we, you know, we, we aren't arguing for disclosure of all of the university's, um, you know, personnel records. We, we think that the, the statute can be narrowly interpreted uh, to just include records involving the, the police department and uh, its, its interactions with the, with the public. Mm-hmm. Jeff, you've been, of course, reporting this at the South Bend Tribune. You live there. What's been the reaction like just among uh, people there? I mean, this has been a national news story. You know, it's it's been it's you can Google it. Everyone's reporting on it. Uh, what's everyone saying there? Well, I think there's a lot, definitely a lot of interest in the case. Um, it's hard to, for me to tell you, you know, how the public feels about it because we haven't really polled anybody. But uh, I can tell you that the stories that we do do on this case are are very well read. Um, of course, Notre Dame is uh, our area's biggest employer. It's a, a big driver of our of our local economy, frankly, uh, and so people pay close attention to it. And um, there is a lot of interest. There's a lot of interest, like I said before, not just in um, cases involving arrests and incarceration and and, and criminal behavior. But just the the public safety uh, role that the university's police department plays. When I mentioned those those injuries and deaths that have happened on campus, you know that that's a part of our community, that campus. And when something happens out there, people want to know details. And um, we, as a newspaper, haven't been able to to give them that information in the past. And so um, you know, we we never took the action that ESPN took in filing a lawsuit, but it, I can tell you that it, it was considered um, many times over over the years here at the Tribune. Um, I might add a little more information to this. So the Tribune never didn't file a lawsuit, but the Tribune did file a brief in the case supporting ESPN, as right. did the Hoosier State Press Association, and uh, attorney, Indiana's Attorney General Greg Zeller also backed ESPN, arguing that Notre Dame's police department records should be considered public records. So there, there's been a lot of uh, support from various, you know, the various angles, not just the media, but also the attorney general in this case. That's correct. Mm-hmm. All right. If you want to join our conversation today and talk about whether you think um, that the uh, University of Notre Dame's police department should be considered a, a public agency or whether you think that that's just not the case, you can give us a call at 812 812- Eight five five zero eight one one or one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. You can also join a live chat at wfiu.org/slash noon edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. And we talked about a little bit earlier about Indiana legislation. The caller brought that up, uh, Jerry. You <clears throat> went into that in a little bit more detail. Uh, is that something that you think will come back in in the next? It was vetoed by the governor, but is this something that might come back in the next uh, session? 
Um, you know, I haven't talked to anyone at the uh, legislature about that. I think everyone's sort of waiting for the uh, uh, the court to to do what it does, and um, I'm not sure you know what mm-hmm. the prospects are uh, for that to happen before the next session uh, comes into being. But I imagine that would be a possibility, and I think that uh, you know it's not outside the realm of possibility that if the Supreme Court declares uh, that these university police departments are public agencies, it's not outside the realm of possibility that uh, the legislature would attempt to amend the statute to, uh, you know, restrict the application of that to um, to the private university. So I, I wouldn't be surprised uh, mm-hmm. at anything that the legislature does in terms of uh, um, public access. And, and usually, um, unfortunately, many of the uh, um, the recent legislative efforts have uh, been on the side of restricting public access to to various records, and uh, and so I hope they don't. But I, I think it very well could come back up. Jeff, yeah, I, I can tell you, uh, Bob, that mm-hmm. the reporting that we did on this a very issue that you're asking about, uh, State Representative uh, B. Patrick Bauer, a Democrat from South Bend, he was the lead sponsor of that bill uh, that the caller talked about earlier. Um, He's a board member of, of independent colleges of, uh, of Indiana, um, and also uh, Senator John Broden, another South Bend Democrat, uh, who was a co-sponsor of the bill. He was also a former independent colleges board member. So it's unclear um, you know, what might happen next session, but Bauer did tell us that uh, he wanted to – he wanted that any – and by the way, he, he fully acknowledged that the independent colleges of Indiana – basically wrote the bill uh, with help from Notre Dame uh, that he that he carried into the legislature. Uh, but, but he acknowledged that the bill was very narrowly written to, to only include uh, incarceration and arrest-related records. And he said that the reason he did that was because he didn't want to interfere with uh, this matter as it's moving through the courts right now. Um, and as far as John Broden, he said that he told us that um, he did believe that the record or that the uh, bill that was passed should have been broader and it should have included uh, police records such as the the daily police log um, that uh, you know are public for other police uh, departments. But he said uh, in in the short session last year there just wasn't time to um, get into that as much. But he said that. Uh, he would be inclined uh, to amend that part of the, the law next year and make it broader. Uh, but, of course, uh, John uh, is no longer in the Senate. He uh, retired, and he's uh, running for circuit court judge in St. Joseph County now. So. so what was behind the governor's veto of the bill? Well, he basically just sided, you know, with with ESPN and said that uh, it's it's a matter of, of public record. You know, what what happens in, pol- in private police uh Departments, even if if if, if they're at uh, private colleges, um, it's in the interests of uh, transparency that you know and accountability. Uh, when police power is being exercised, the public has a right to know about it. So he vetoed the bill based on the fact that it wasn't broad enough. Is that yeah? Okay, all right. I think a lot of people probably don't realize, and, and you know, the media has not been particularly friendly to Governor Pence in his time in office. But in fact, the governor has a pretty strong record on. Um, media issues in terms of um, access to public information. Uh, when he was in the the, um, the Congress, he carried a, a federal shield law that that was 
um, widely uh, supported by the news media around the country. So, um, you know, he has he has a record, and you, I think you can trust that he he said what he thought on that, and he he did veto it based on the fact that he thought it should be broader. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think I, I would probably give him about a B minus on this uh, uh, on access issues, but per- certainly on this one, he made a strong statement that uh, you know I think the underlying sentiment here is that we don't. Uh, believe in the concept of uh, secret police in mm. in the United States. We uh, policing is to be above board and public. And if you're exercising police powers, that it ought to be um, up front and center and and uh, open to public scrutiny. Uh, and <clears throat> the other thing that I that I talk to people about a lot with regard to our our statute um, regarding public records is that you can look at the the black letter language of it, uh, which is, um, you, you know, what gets argued um, mainly in some of these appellate cases, and, you know, what does the uh, particular phrasing of these uh, statutory requirements get get at, um, can break down uh, particular words and definitions of words, and, and I think even when you do that, I think it's pretty clear that um, an, uh, an entity like a private university police department ought to be a public agency. But then if you look at the broader picture and look at the preamble, which states the legislative intent of the law, it says this law is to be uh, liberally interpreted, uh, liberally construed to implement the policy of, of uh, disclosure of public records. And I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind. The reason for that is that we believe in the concept of government accountability, that the government is the servant of the people and not the other way around. So this really gives people an opportunity to keep an eye on on uh, those agents of government or exercising government power um, who who do sort of hold that ultimate power over citizens. Yeah, in a general sense, I, I've probably quoted that preamble about a dozen times in editorials over, <laughs> over my career. <laughs> so if you want to join our conversation today about uh, public access, uh, specifically about the ESPN case against the University of Notre Dame, um, and certainly can weigh in on either side of this issue. Uh, or if you want to talk about other public access issues, give us a call at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So there's no – is there any precedent to this? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the, these 10 major programs that ESPN was looking at. They did sue Michigan State University, uh, but then they won that case. Uh, just looking ahead now, as the Indiana Supreme Court will hear the case, I mean, there's no date set yet. Is there any way that we can now kind of, as we're ending the program, kind of think of where this is going to go? Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good question. (laughs) In terms of, you know, precedence, you know, I haven't uh, uh, looked at other states' laws in in this area, um, as I probably should have. So I I can't speak to whether um, private universities are treated differently in other states. Uh, other states' mm-hmm. laws, some are more specific and uh, stronger in terms of access than Indiana's, and some are, are weaker. So it's hard to really tell. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, my, my general point has been that, you know, I read the appellate decision um, very strongly um, argued, I think, and reasoned in terms of what the decision was, and I, I would be a little surprised if the court doesn't uh, rule that same direction. 
All right. In, in the last uh, five minutes or so of the program, I want to want to ask uh, Jerry and Jeff. Of course, you can weigh in on anything anything you want to weigh in on. Uh, as the president of the Indiana Coalition for o- Open Government, I mean, what what other areas do you see as potential battlegrounds in the state over trying to maintain access to public records or access to open meetings? Well, I mean, we can. Um, you know, one of the big one of the biggest uh, holes in our access law uh, applies to police departments, applies to law enforcement agencies. So even even if um, Notre Dame and other private university police departments are, are brought under the aegis of the access law as public agencies, there still will be vast amounts of information that they're able to keep um, secret because of the discretionary exemption that allows police departments to withhold investigatory material and there's no adequate definition of investigatory material so the police departments themselves are able to essentially define that and um, they tend to define it very broadly so that's one of the big uh, flaws in our access law that there's not a a more particular uh, uh, definition of that or and there's not a, a time limit on when an investigation is not no longer an investigation for instance and right now it's in perpetuity so um, you know we we just enacted uh, the legislature just enacted and the governor signed the the body cam legislation which uh, was not favorable to public access so just in terms of law enforcement there are a whole host of areas where where it's problematic in terms of uh, public accountability of police we talk about the the time frame of these uh, investigatory records. Um, a former Herald Times writer, who's an author now, Greg Dawson, is has been working on a book, and he asked for some records from a, a police case back in the, I believe it was in the 1960s, late 1960s, right. and was turned down based on the investigatory uh, exemption hmm. from state law. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> yeah. And so explain a little bit more about the body cam legislation. We did a program. We had um, Police Chief Mike Decoff and some other people in the studio and did a program on on body cams and on you know the public access issues involving body cams. Can you sort of outline what happened in the legislative session with that? Uh, do you want to take that, Jeff? Or you want me to? No, I'll defer to you on that. I didn't really cover that. <laughs> I, I, I haven't read lot. it uh, most recently uh, for a few weeks, but my my overall um, impression of of the law is that uh, it's very difficult for uh, the media or um, an interested citizen who's not involved in a case to get a hold of body cam video and any other types of police recording, in fact. So uh, so this could apply to uh, dash cam video as well, for instance. Um, and unless you have a particular interest as a victim um, or a, a party to the case, um, and, and in fact the law makes it difficult even for those people to see the video, um, but it's just not available um, generally to the public. You can make a request to a police department for the video, um, and argue that it's in the public interest, but the police department gets to say whether they think it's in the public interest or not. And your only recourse as a requester is to sue if you don't like the decision. And I just can't imagine that in uh, most of the cases that the departments are going to be releasing video. They're probably going to decline to release video on a regular basis. And uh, requesters, citizens are required to go to go to court really to enforce that and that's not really practical for most people who don't have a, a legal budget. Part of the the discussion on that, it's a discretionary on the part of the police department whether they can release them and, and you know they have some good valid 
reasons why they don't want to release some of the records. I, I know the the state, um, the media in the state, media in the state tried to argue that there should be an independent group that would actually take a look when there was a dis- <coughs> dispute, and it shouldn't all come down to the police deciding. So, right. Yeah. You know, as we, we have about three minutes here as we wrap up, uh, maybe Jeff will start with you just to kind of conclude. Uh, either way, whichever way the Indiana Supreme Court decides, what are some of the things we should kind of keep a lookout for and f- kind of an after effect follow up on? Well, I mean, just, you know, first of all, we're just going to be paying attention to what the Supreme Court decides. I know, I know they'll set it for set it for conference uh, within probably the next month. Uh, that's the next thing that will happen. Uh, and then at conference, uh, the justices will decide whether they want to hear oral arguments uh, from both both parties. Uh, I would think that's likely, uh, just due to the complexity of this case and uh, its, its wide-ranging impact on all of the private uh, college and university police departments around the state. Uh, I think we'll see, you know, oral arguments. And then after that, uh, after those oral arguments are made, uh, the, the, the court will take a couple months, uh, probably two to three months or so, of research and make sure they, they craft the, the opinion that they want to craft and present that to the public and, and they'll issue a ruling. Um, so, I mean, I think that I would be surprised if that didn't come by the end of the year. Uh, and. From there, uh, then we'll just see uh, what happens, and uh, you know, the, hopefully, the uh, universities uh, in in the state that have police departments will uh, adjust their policies accordingly. Mm-hmm. Jerry, any last words? Well, I think that's right. That's a good good summation of things. Okay. I I think that uh, um, just to broaden it out, since. Uh, Jeff gave such a great summary of what, what we can expect on the specific case. I, I just would say in terms of uh, public access in general, I, I think we can look forward to uh, sort of continuing um, battles in this area of public access uh, where some agencies and officials want to continue to find ways to restrict uh, the ways and the types of information that citizens can get about their government. And um, then there are um, activists like myself and uh, people in the media who um, are always looking for ways to sort of uh, enlarge the boundaries of, of public access. And, uh, um, you know, hopefully we can <laughs> find some middle ground because um, – uh, I, I don't see these issues really going away at any time soon. All right. I want to thank you very much. We're out of time. Jerry Lanoska, uh, president of the Indiana Coalition for Open Government. Jeff Parrott, reporter at the South Bend Tribune. Thanks for being here with us today. For producer Drew Doglin, engineer Mike Pashkash, and my co-host Joe Wren, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu. And Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.